this sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. This is Dan Jurgen. This is Jason J. Lewis, the voice of Superman on Justice League Action. This is Mark Wayne, writer of Superman Birthright, and you're listening to The Krypton Report. The Krypton Report podcast is dedicated to all things Superman, Supergirl, and the planet Krypton. We discuss movies, TV, game, comics, and all things DC. So join me, Tyler, with my co-host James and Jania. Hello, everybody. It's Tyler here. Uh, today's episode is the audio from my interview panel for the Multiverse Fundraiser. The fundraiser is a program where we were raising money to help Valerie Perrine, uh, Perrine, sorry, um, the actress who played Miss Tessmacher. She is dealing with Parkinson's, and it was to help her with medical expenses and things like that. Uh, it's still open for another week, so if you check out multiversefundraiser.com, you can see the link to donate but this is my audio talking with the wonderful amazing awesome fun sarah douglas who played ursa in superman 1 and superman 2 so enjoy all the panels were broadcast on the back of the cereal box website on youtube some really great panels if you didn't get a chance go to youtube search for back of the cereal box and you'll be able to see all the wonderful content that was created (laughs) Hey. All right. Hey. Hello there. I will hello. love myself. <laughs> hey, hello there. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm I'm okay now. I've been, <laughs> I've been watching with interest, and I wondered if I'm I'm going to be geeking out. I don't think I've ever geeked out, but the last yeah. people were geeking out, so I'm ready to go. I don't know what it means, but I'm I'm willing. All How's right. That? Yeah. We're, that sounds wonderful. Hi, I'm Tyler. I host a podcast called The Krypton Report, where we talk about all things Superman related, and I got the honor to talk with you today. Well, it's great to meet you, Tyler. Thank you for inviting me in, and what a great cause. Yes. Um, yes, it is. I was going to say, I turned my camera, and if you can see, like, it's a little the reflected, but I have, you're right over here on my poster for Superman 2 right here. That's what we like to see. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> I know. And how many years have you had that poster? Or is it a new one? Well, uh, let's see. I want to say my friend, it was about mm, five years ago, he got me the whole collection of all four actual theatrical Superman posters. So I, they're all framed and designed right here. I'm impressed. It's it's wonderful to have. That's more than I have. Believe me. (laughs) So like I said, I want to thank you for being here today. Um, Got a few questions from people I talked to and myself who I was told I was going to get to speak with you today. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you was I was thinking about, you know, Superman 1 and 2 and how they were filmed. Did you ever get to spend time with Valerie on set or anything like that? Not You're absolutely right in that we, we basically were with kind of ships in the night. But of course, um, we spent a little bit of time. It wasn't until the, 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 the actual junket, the press junket, the traveling around that I really got to know her. And that was a long, long time ago. Um, her scenes obviously were, were quite different. But because there was so much hanging around, as you know, yeah. I mean, it was endless. Um, sadly, no, I didn't. And I obviously didn't get to work with her. But what happened was, I mean, we, we, you've got to remember, this was a many, many, many months because we were shooting Superman 1 and Superman 2 together. Um, which we knew about, but we had started really shooting Superman 2 first, and that went on for many, many weeks until somebody up there, executive-wise, said, wait a minute, guys, we need to get one completed, which, of course, was a a lot of Valerie, um, before we continue with two. So I I was put on hold, or what is wonderfully called pay or play, and um, I waited to play. I didn't play, but they paid me, which was one of the best summers I've ever had. Um, <laughs> and then I came back. But it was it was during the subsequent uh, press junkets um, that I really got to know Valerie. And then, of course, over the years and in the latter years, um, because we were both in L.A., um, I first uh, 
well, probably back in um, the early 80s, which was not, I mean, I think we shot around about, what was it, 77, 78, 79? I mean, it was when we were shooting. It was in the early 80s that I, I ran into her. Well, actually, I ran into her. She had two enormous Great Danes. And I ran into them nice. uh, walking up on Mulholland Drive with my dog. And our dogs encountered each other. And my German Shepherd and her Great Danes had a few things to say to each other. But then coming <laughs> rushing along behind them was the d delightful and divine Valerie. And that, that we reconnected at that point. And uh, I was able to visit with her. I was in LA just before Christmas and uh, was able to go over and visit with her, which I do whenever the opportunity arises because um, she needs all of our support. And she was brilliant and still has a smile on her face and the makeup on and, you know, just coping with the everyday business of, of not being well, you know, yeah. just says that's all there is to say, but she's brilliant. She's a wonderful human being and deserves all of this attention and of course that wonderful um documentary that stacy did have you spoken with stacy has somebody spoken with stacy i uh yes i believe he was stacy was on the was it yesterday? yes good yeah i mean it was that's that was a real labor of love and to get to drag us all I shouldn't say drag, it wasn't the right word. He didn't drag me in, but to manage to get us all. And, and uh, that that took him some work, you know, because he was somebody we didn't, I knew him, but a lot of people didn't know him, a lot of the other actors. And so it was a, a leap of faith and a well, well, well deserved, you know, the accolades that he got. And of course, Valerie, who looked spectacular as always in the film. So I'm glad to be here. There you go. <laughs> Well, we're glad to have you. And it, it's it's wonderful to have someone who who knows Valerie. Um, and speaking of knowing, yesterday I did a panel where we talked about the works of Richard Donner. Um, uh -huh. Could you speak to what it was like working with him and the kind of like person? Because I've always heard good things yeah. about you know him, but Absolutely. I've never got to speak with anyone who's actually worked really? with him before. Well, um, firstly, I have to say I'm one of the fortunate actresses, I believe I was fortunate, but I actually got to shoot uh, Superman 2, a great deal of it, twice. So I got to shoot it with Richard Donner, with Richard Donner, and then again with Richard Lester. And never have two more different directors existed. <laughs> um, Donner, I met uh, when I was, I went to for the meeting and I was already shooting something, another great epic called The People That Time Forgot. And I was shooting that with Doug McClure and we were over at Pinewood Studios and when I got to meet Dick um, I was at the time uh, I mean my idea of an American was somebody with tinted glasses and slightly long hair a, a Californian and a bit <laughs> a bit hip and a bit cool and of course he did not disappoint I walked into this office and there he was with the tinted glasses and the, I mean just as I said the epitome of to me as a little English girl of a Hollywood director <laughs> Uh, what was wonderful about Dick was that he was really, he was an actor's director. So in other words, he really listened to us. He let us find our voices. He let us work with with what we had. I mean, I, I don't remember an enormous amount of direction from him, but obviously he gave us a lot of direction. And I say this because I can compare it to Richard Lester, who absolutely... Uh, had, was working with three cameras and was was giving us very precise directions. Now, I have to be honest and tell you that it actually worked better for me um, working with Richard Lester because dear old Dick would give you the idea that, uh, not that you had all the time in the world, but he let you explore the character, explore mm -hmm. the scene. Um, and for me, that could go on for weeks exploring um, if, if I wasn't curbed. Richard Lester, of course, came in and said, right, you're going to do this. I mean, you know, you're going to do this. You're going to, you know, you're going to hit the piece of wood and you're going to flip the manhole cover and you're going to catch it. And you're going to do, you know, he, he was very, very, very um, precise with, with what he wanted. Um, and consequently, because I was, I wouldn't say I was terrified of Richard Lester, but I certainly, I found him, it was like a very scary schoolmaster. Whereas Dick mm. was just somebody you wanted to hang out with. And consequently, um, I think everybody did hang out with him. Certainly the rest of the cast um, spent a lot of time with him because he was, they were, we have to remember, they were on location. I lived in London. So every evening I went home um, 
they all were on location. They all had uh, wonderful expense accounts and nice places to stay in London. And consequently, I think there was a lot of um, after hours partying that went on. That's all I'm going to say. But we were <laughs> at that time enjoying ourselves. No, he was great. No, he you, was great. So, go on. You mentioned him being an actor's director. Do you feel that Lester was maybe more of like a, a technical director? The way you were well, talking about his directing, yeah. like he didn't focus as much on character as much as this shot, this timing. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that that was my that was my impression of him. Um, certainly for me, uh, you know, he, he very specifically uh, instruct, instructed me, directed me and told me exactly where to go. And he he said it in such a way that I had no doubt that I could do it because what he was asking often was quite difficult. Um, you know, I, I remind people that Christopher came in, Christopher Reeve came into the job and came in uh, doing terrific um, weightlifting exercise, getting himself in shape, getting himself ready. I just arrived on the first day. There weren't gyms in London. There was nowhere to go. I mean, the first gym that I went to in London, all it had was a stationary bike and a jacuzzi. You know, it didn't exist in the 70s. It's very much an American thing. Um, so I wasn't remotely prepared. I just happened to be quite fit. But I mean, that was in itself is a miracle, really, that I was fit. But I was. Um, so to be told that you could do something that really seemed quite impossible um, for me was the way to go because there was such confidence in it. Um, but of course, right from the beginning, uh, right from the first weeks of shooting with uh, Dear Dick, uh, you know, we're talking about somebody that said, OK, you know, you, you, I remember him saying, you, you go up to that windowsill, you're going to stand on the windowsill and then you're going to jump off and you're going to fly. And I can remember thinking, oh, you know, it's all very well. I'd never be, you know, this. And it was a, an enormous set. It was the Bond set. It was the largest uh, soundstage at the time, certainly in Europe. Um, and it was vast. And, you know, they, you've got to have terrific faith in your director, in your, obviously, the, the, the stunt people who advised you, but the technical crew to just jump off, which is what we did daily. We just jumped off that windowsill and off we went, you know, flying through the air. But it was, no, he was, he was great. But I didn't get to know him as well as um, Margot, Margot Kira and Chris, and all of them did because I didn't have those wonderful after hour um, get togethers that they all did. You know, it was, I mean, it goes without saying, and they all continued their friendships when they went back to LA, whereas I stayed in London. So I didn't know him anything like as well as all of they did, which is why, of course, when it came round to him no longer shooting Superman 2, um, most of the cast, well, all of the cast were absolutely up in arms and they were furious about it and they were very vocal about it. And I, I don't think that you all, the fans, knew for a long time that it had been reshot and, and redone by Lester. And I'm right about that, aren't I? When it first came I, out. I, you, you I believe, you know, it, it's hard to tell. Like, I've done a lot of reading and research, you know, at the time I, <laughs> when the second one, I wasn't born yet. So. Yeah, it is. But I mean, it was, it was, um, you know, there, it, the, the others were, were very, very vocal, um, which is also, I think, how I came to be the person that did all the publicity for Superman 2. I did the world tour. So I alone went off around the world. Um, I mean, literally around the world over a period of nine months because of the, the they, they opened Superman 2 in a completely different way, Warners did. Um, so they opened it um, um, Australia. Was it Australia first? Something like that. Yes, yeah, sort of New Zealand, Australia, and then it slowly but short uh, England. Then and America wasn't until quite a few months later, the following summer. Mm. So we, I was going all over the place opening it, and it had been open there. Then we'd go again. Nowadays they open, I think, in literally two regions, don't they? It's sort of all of Asia and then all of Europe or all of the Americas. Um, yeah. Back then we were doing a country at a time. So I went off and part of the uh, Warner Brothers um, decision making was um, definitely was, was based on the fact that I didn't have a lot of stories to tell about Dick Donner, Dick Lester, how upset I was. Um, I know that Chris 
Chris was very, very vocal, as was Margot, about their about how upset they were that he had been basically let go. You know, mm-hmm. um, I didn't really, I didn't really understand it. You know, I was, I was out of all of that. I was just asked to do the uh, publicity tour. I was completely set up by Warner Brothers in that they said I was to go and uh, meet um, uh, some, some, a couple of executives over in some fancy hotel in the West End of London. And I was to go in and uh, to, to talk about doing the tour. And when I entered this room, there were probably 15, 18 people around a big table. And they turned out to all be the different um, heads of the different regions. And from Japan to South Africa to Australia to France, they all had questions for me. And of course, back then you had to be, I mean, Australia was quite chauvinistic. Their remarks were quite different from anything I was used to compared with Japan, where I was to go to after Australia, uh, who were very, very respectful. And you had to be very uh, careful what you said and very polite what you said. Um, and, And for instance, in Japan, they edited the scene where I kicked the astronauts between the legs, she said politely. That scene, oh. that was edited out because they did, the Japanese didn't like that to see a woman doing that to a man, you know, sort of stuff. Interesting. So I was put through a sort of a test. Um, well, it was a test to see how I could handle this sort of quick fire remarks and, you know, the different sorts of remarks. And certainly in South Africa, you know, because apartheid was going on and everything was, they had a different approach to things there. They needed to be sure that I was going to say the right things and and consequently um i did say the right things in that in that meeting and from there i was then set up to do um all the publicity so i mean obviously christopher and margaret they went to you know we went to washington and they went to to paris but the worldwide tour uh was me and in fact terry stamp said he said you'll do it once he said you'll never do it again and it's true it was a killer but you know i was 28 29 something like that and, and the world was my oyster plus it was everything was first class it was very exciting lots and lots and lots of bars of soap and lots of ashtrays I <laughs> and lots of towels it was it was you kind of getting back for uh living in london while everyone was on location yeah. getting to have fun you're like it's my turn to be on vacation and i certainly made up for it believe me yeah what was what was the kind of dynamic and friendship that um did you build with between jack and terrence and yourself being the you know that well, most all your um, scenes are together did yeah the three the, of you um, like the, uh, there again you've got two two of the most different human beings um terry had just come from um his experiences he'd been living in india in an ashram for I don't want to get the quote right. I don't want to get this wrong. Whether seven years or nine years, but he'd been away for many, many years, um, living a very different sort of life in an ashram. And he returned to England to do this film. And he tells lots of funny stories about how they found him in a monastery somewhere and, and got in contact with him. So he was, without doubt, was very, certainly when we started shooting Superman 1 and 2 at the beginning, was very, very quiet, very peaceful, very um, spiritual. Jack was, Jack was Jack. Jack was very <laughs> full of all the wonderful Jack stories that we've all known. Um, we also, he also made it perfectly clear that nobody messed with our Jack. Um, and he, he delighted in the fact that he had a bit of a reputation, mm-hmm. which I can honestly say he still has now. And having just spent some time with him just two or three, oh no, just before Christmas, again, um, he's a very dear friend of mine, and uh, he is the one person in the world that I know that if ever I was in any trouble, or if you were to say anything to me tonight that I wasn't pleased about, and I told Jack, he'd know somebody in your neighborhood that would come and have a word <laughs> let's put it like that. That's he awesome. Like great. a great. Like a big brother. It's yeah, great to have on your side. Um, but but um, Terry was, I can remember being fascinated with him because he wore sort of, he'd got beads, you know, things around his neck and he'd got, he drank mint tea. I, I'd never met anybody who drank mint tea. But of course, the marvellous thing about him was his stillness. And I'm very fidgety, as you can see. I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm never still. And he definitely brought a stillness to our 
to our trio you know he 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 was able to um well he was the one although he doesn't remember it he was the one that suggested he, he one day right at the very beginning he said you know we we've we're we are basically aliens we are different from these earthlings we need to find a way to show that we're a little bit um a little bit different and it was his suggestion that we moved in a sort of coordinate we, we had a coordinated move we sort of moved with a fluidity now how we did that I mean, I look at it now and I go, bloody hell, you know, it's pretty neat because we, there is definitely, we just moved smoothly together. We did everything um, in that sort of wonderful unison. Um, having said that, he was very naughty. Uh, he had, he has, and I think it's common knowledge, has probably ha had relationships with some of the most beautiful women in the world. And just before we started shooting any sequence, he would come up with a new name. Julie Christie, Julian Shrimpton, G you know, all these wonderful names that I was like, whoa. And then he would start to tell you and then I'd go action and you'd go, no, what's the rest of the story? He loved winding us up. Um, Jack, meanwhile, had his own sort of stories, which were pretty much the same sort of stories, but with a whole different sort of uh, uh, bench to them. So I had the best time with those guys and, and continue to do so, um, you know, which is wonderful because we're talking before you were born, as you just kindly told me. Thank you very much. I'll just have a sip more of my Coca-Cola. <laughs> hey, that's the best. Yeah, I tell you. So, yeah, it was, it was a good time. And uh, Gene Hackman, of course, uh, was I was absolutely in love with him. He was um, just, a, a, just such a regular guy, and I just adored him. Uh, and I did spend time. I did hang out with him in the evenings was lucky enough to be invited out a few times and you know went to the theater with him and different things and he was i loved him uh, absolutely fabulous i mean how lucky was i i was yeah you know, 27 you know brando i mean i don't even know if any of the kids today have any idea how staggeringly enormously fabulous marlon brando is and was or was and is you know, he, 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 to, to a young actress to be working, to be having a scene with Marlon Brando. Oh my God, you know, he had such an aura about him and, and was just such a presence. So, you know, couldn't, well, didn't get much better than that. You're speaking about presence. Can we just say how amazing your presence was? I mean, <laughs> Thank you, you know, watching, oh, you're welcome. I mean, you know, I, I grew up with, and I tell stories before about how, um, Superman one and two in my mind as a child kind of existed as one movie. I had, I think a VHS tape from TV where they played on back to back. <laughs> so it was years later. So I realized it was two different movies, oh, wow. but I just remember the scene, like the first scene where they say the lady Ursa and like the camera turns and you mm -hmm. kind of like step into frame. It's intimidating, you know, as, yeah. as a child watching this, like um, especially oh. because, you know, as a kid, a lot of times you don't, you know, I didn't think of, like the female villain you're like you know you kind of expected like the big puff male but you had this this yeah. this presence and the spirit that was, that was it was haunting it was powerful um thank you that still yeah. resonates now when i watch the films you can see yeah. what you bring and i mean definitely you're a lovely person to speak with um so um it <laughs> no, just shows so the greatness very... of the performance yeah i i i can i i can honestly i do have to pat my own back because it doesn't when I look at it, it, I can't believe that I managed to pull that off. I, I'm not aware of um, trying to, to, to have that stillness and that power. Now, I do know that every morning uh, I left for the studio very, very early. And I did have a very long, long uh, sit in that makeup chair. Uh, I had very, I had very long hair at the time, way down to here, and every single bit of my hair had to be put up in a wig, and they would put oh. that up, and I, I, oh yes, oh yes, it was a wig, and so that pulled my face up. Um, white makeup because supervillains don't have freckles, I do, so I had to have white makeup <laughs> everywhere. Um, my eyebrows were stuck up with, you know, glue to lift them up. Um, the boots, the harness. The whole thing, and it still wasn't eight. It still wasn't eight a.m. And most of the time, by the time I had pulled those boots on, I felt mean. I probably hadn't had as much sleep as I should have had, and it was a daily, I was a daily meanness that came over me, um, which which helped. 
plus the, the those outfits you know were were so simple and so plain and so powerful we had no somebody asked me the other day about comparing it to one of the latest supermans and or the latest i don't even know which one i've lost track of them all now um but but i know i remember saying to this person i said yeah but we didn't have we weapons you know they've all got the gear now and the weapons you know the villains when they come along um Feora and different things i said we were just we were just there which i think it's brilliant you know the fact that we had mm -hmm. that power and that clout um and that presence so it is i can look at it and it's not me so i can i can say okay yeah that's good and i'm glad i scared you <laughs> good yeah you have a lot of good comments talking about the, you know here your quiet strength and uh, right here this one when when uh she saw superman 2 when she was 11 and oh, Valerie, it was amazing that's great i i you know something i have to say that all these years later i mean it takes quite a lot for me on a sunday evening to sit down and <laughs> do what i'm doing now i mean i just but when it's superman and 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 of course for me it's valerie which is is, is to me superman um the fans the superman fan fan whatever fandom is is extraordinary um i meet people all the time and of course now i'm meeting people all the time like you that tells me that they weren't born which i find totally scary to think you weren't born sorry but i'm meeting all i'm, the, I'm sorry it's no you're okay meeting all the different generations and that you know you have to i don't know whether americans really understand uh that in england back in whenever it was 77 78 Superman, we I I kind of knew who Superman was, mm -hmm. but he wasn't that big a deal. I'm not sure we had a cartoon. I don't think there was a cartoon on television. I know that at the cinema, um, you know, when I grew up, there, there certainly wasn't Superman. I mean, we you know we're talking about I don't know what we're talking about. We're talking about um, <laughs> a lassie and those sorts of things. But there wasn't Superman. We weren't uh, we we didn't have we didn't have that wonderful sort of image of Superman that that I later discovered that Americans have. Everybody I know in America that loves Superman has told me some sort of Superman story or something about the strength of Superman, the strength of, you know, the fact that he's the good and, and, and all things sort of American and just, just in, when they said Superman to me, I had to sort of go away and kind of get a, an idea of who he was. I vaguely knew, I knew who Batman was, but it wasn't until I arrived in America, I realized how how much people embrace Superman, all the different Supermans, um, and how fabulous is that? I mean, I just think it's, yes. you know, truth, justice, and the American way. I think it's brilliant. And I'm still being spoiled all the time by lovely remarks and kindnesses and thoughtfulnesses and, and also lots of stories from grown gentlemen that tell me about being little boys and loving Ursa. My goodness me, they did love Ursa. I'm quite shocked at how much they loved Ursa, well some of them. <laughs> It's it's amazing. Um, you know, I recently did an episode of my podcast where uh -huh. we talked about how Ursa and Feora, how they're two different characters, but for a lot of people, they kind of blend them in their mind as the same one. And we kind of talked about the differences and nobody else has played your character. You know, Ursa is your character. And um, I thank you. I, I really... <laughs> I really, really, really appreciate that uh, because I'm very proud of her. I'm very proud of that whole, you know, certainly Superman 1 and 2, the whole package is how lucky am I, you know? How lucky yeah. am I at my age now to, to be looking back and to still be able to talk about, I mean, this year I'm off to, you know, to do Superman events because people still want to talk and still want to, to meet. And uh, obviously Feora comes into it with, periodically people mention it to me but I, I i do see the comparison except i don't get it because like i said she seems to have to have weapons and i just you know maya so was just there she was a presence so you know my, my friend and i um he does a superman podcast as well called digging for kryptonite we talked about how i would love to see and like we kind of were creating the story as we went of feora and ursa together because a lot of times i see ursa as being more this powerful and like um, in the comic book, there was one that Richard Donner helped write. Right. Yeah. Uh, Ursa is very like a, um, she likes to torture her prisoner. She's very, you know, 
she's evil, you know. And I always see <laughs> Feora is. I say Feora is bad, but like Ursa's more of that. She's like the enforcer, and I would love to see that dynamic um, of like yeah. just two, you know, BA female Kryptonians instead of always separating the two. Let's have them together. Yeah, you know, let's yeah. let's see their their power. Uh, I know the only thing is about that is I'd have to step aside for some young, nubile young thing to play Ursa, and I don't know how well I would take that. <laughs> you know, that's the only thing. So unless we've got them at. You know, in later life, that, that might be would rather you, sad, though. I don't think I could. Get we could do it. <laughs> we could do it in animation, because um, I know that animation. You know, animation's good. Animation's good. Yes, there you are. Animation's you, perfect. I think that's a very good idea. I think the the fans would love that. I know you did. Um, in my notes here, I was writing like you did do voice work for Mala uh-huh. on Superman the animated series, which Mala was kind of one of those weird characters where. Mm-hmm. They tried to make her. She kind of was an Ursa-esque type character, but mm-hmm. it was one of those they made for the series. You worked yeah. on Green Lantern, the series, Batman Beyond. So you, um, you've kind of hung out in the DC world like you did yeah. Swamp Thing Returns. Uh, I was um, – I was oh, – I've got – sorry. I've got a phone going here. Excuse oh, me. Oh, no. You're fine. This person off. There we are. Um, I was very, um, I was disappointed with Green Lantern because I was really, I knew where the story was going with my character and it was very exciting. And uh, then it got cancelled. But I'm told, um, and I don't really understand how these things work, that the, as far as animated goes, that if the movie doesn't do incredibly well and therefore they don't get incredible merchandising, that it doesn't, you know, the the animated series just fades away, which is what happened. Because um, I was ready. I'd got a great storyline that they'd given me. Um, anyway, there you go. And as far It was as, a uh, really great cartoon. Like I discovered it and watched it uh, with my son. Like It was one of those things I had when after he was born, we watched together. Like I had the set. And yeah. I wish it had continued because it, 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 was, um, it was very fresh feeling. Yeah. There was, it was I, a story I, that I hadn't been told. Yeah, I, I don't know um, so much about the technical side of things but i do know that at the time they were very excited by the animation because they were doing something quite different that they told you know they said would be you know that 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 people would love and it would be the first time it had been seen you know there was a great excitement around it but anyway and and the other superman my that that character um what was the Superman cartoon animation called the adventures of superman it was mala yeah, and I, I remember thinking how wonderful I'd got that tiny waist. Um, it's always it's always a surprise afterwards to see the way I thought. Oh, okay, I can I I can take that. Yeah, it, it's it's now that I've come back and I'm in England. You know, there's not I don't have access so much um, to the you know to to all of the to, to all of the animations to all of the voices and you know they haven't uh, they it, it isn't happening in England. You know. I know we yeah. can do them transatlantically and everything else and in a little studio, but I mean, I loved going into the studio uh, in Burbank and uh, wherever and getting together with the other actors, you know, and doing boof and boof and boof and all of that. So it was great fun. It's great fun. Certainly better than having to learn my lines. That's for sure. Just getting <laughs> to read it. Anything. Anything oh. to learn stuff. What was yeah. it like coming back and, and doing your uh, part in Supergirl? Kind of stepping well, back into a live action uh, yeah. super world. Uh, yeah, everybody um, knows that I was very disappointed because they'd asked me, I, something else had come up a couple of years before, which I wasn't able to do because I was working. So when that came up, um, I was really, I was really quite excited. But of course, they didn't, they told me about the character and they told me what I, you know, it sounded all good. I didn't see a script. Um, shot in Vancouver. I was working on something in England. I had to fly back to LA and then I had a costume fitting and I was thrilled. But then I saw the script. Then I saw that I did nothing, you know, and it was a real shock to me. I I thought, God, I've made this terrific effort to get here. And I felt, I felt, um, I mean, I was booked for one week's work and I was paid for an episode. So there was no reason for me to think I was not going to be doing something. I was very disappointed to find that I was doing so little. Let's put it like that. Mm. You know, I, in fact, I, I've never really done so little. So I thought, bloody hell, you know, after all this. And I know the fans were very disappointed because 
you know. Um, it was exciting I, to see you. It, it oh, was it one was of those like, oh, you know, it was like, oh, look, look. And of course, my wife's like, and wait, who? And I'm like, yes. To, to get the look and everything else. I, I, It was a bit of a mystery to me, the whole thing, what exactly I was doing there for, you know, for a whole day. You know, I went to Vancouver for a, week, for a whole day. It's like, really? I don't know. I was very happy to be there. The fans were very, well, I mean, the fans were pleased to see me, but they were very disappointed, as as was I, because I'd only just got going and suddenly I got zapped and that was me done. But hey, you know, I'll take anything. Now what do I have to work on? There's something I, they keep saying, oh, that's it, there's a Star Trek, whatever the new, there's a couple of things that they keep saying, you've got to, you've got to get into that. And I said, well, I'm here, I'm willing, I'm able, you know, there's only so much we can do. And, and mm-hmm. I think it's down to um, it's down to people making these uh, making these things that are old fans from way back, you know, that Superman fans. Because you get, I go onto a show and they go, "Oh God, I really wanted to meet you." Because I, and you say, "Okay, fine, uh, that's absolutely fine. Anything that gets me a little bit of extra work um, is fine by me." But Supergirl was. Supergirl was a disappointment to me because of the lack of opportunity. I was just getting going. Um, having said that, uh, the set was, they, they worked so damn quickly. I mean, I worked quickly anyway um, on, on obviously lots of TV shows we go that quickly, but it was quite different. I'd never done a, well, I say I'd never done, of course, V was cyber, but that was back in the, that was back in the ages, so it doesn't count. Um, it, the, the enormity of the set and the, the, the speed that they all worked, and, and I was slightly um, in awe of the whole thing. You know, you're on the set, this is it, you get over there, did it, and it was like been and done and gone before I'd even realised I'd arrived, you know. Um, but I guess that's the way they work nowadays. I'm used to sort of a slightly slower approach, but, you know. I was going to bring up Kristen brought up a great question. I was, I was getting there. Good job, Kristen. Um, I was going to say my family and I, like as they came out every year, my wife and I watched the Christmas Prince films, which was Aww. delighted to see you when you appeared. And then this year, of course, like with our kids as they're getting older, we were able to watch them all. And they were able to watch them with us. Uh, uh-huh. My son just turned seven and my daughter's four. Perfect. And Kristen here asked, do you think there's a hope of a fourth Christmas Prince film? Well, I have to tell you there it- Firstly, we absolutely, the cast, we had the very best time. And I think that comes through. Uh, I would say it does. Yeah, we are all, in fact, just earlier on, I was just reading my, we have our WhatsApp group, all of the cast, we're all in it. We all speak all of the time. Um, we, We have the very best time. And we really, really were so hopeful that the fourth one was going to be made. Um, but then it was the beginning of, of lockdown uh, two years ago. Um, we all of us came up with incredible ideas as to how they could possibly shoot this thing uh, at the beginning of the pandemic. I think now it's got relatively, they worked it out, haven't they? I mean, they, obviously they've worked it out because lots of stuff's being done. Uh, we came up with all sorts of things. We had, uh, you know, uh, Christmas prints on a on a desert island, deserted island somewhere. You know, we've got it all figured out because the because again the the Christmas prints sort of franchise and it's it's out there. People love it. Um, I would like to think it's going to happen again. I hold the the hope. Um, our lovely Princess Emily, who was a little tiny girl in a wheelchair, is now the most delightfully sexy young woman now i i mean i look and i go oh my god she's just looks so gorgeous honor um so perhaps it's time for them to get her married you know perhaps it's time that, i mean um, that would be know, a great storyline for a fourth I know. one well you know we just as i said we just we just hope that it happens because we don't i i don't really understand why it doesn't they they, they netflix of course have now taken over pretty much the running of it and the beginning it wasn't it wasn't well it was netflix but it wasn't the producers you know we made the thing and then i guess it got sold to netflix that's how it worked and now netflix have got very much uh, control of it and it's for them to sort of decide and it's for them i think it's for the fans to say hey you know it needs one of those little campaigns because it was even though we know it was corny, we know it was schmaltzy, but it was a good family entertainment. Everybody could sit down and enjoy it. And so I'm just, you know, I'm ever hopeful um, that that we can, uh, you know, come back and, and you know, Mrs. Avril isn't too old. 
Maybe I'll have a little bit of love this time. Who knows? Who knows? I love doing that. You see, I, you know, it, that's my sort of role. I just, I just loved it being, you know, in the beginning I was quite mean and then it was decided that I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be so mean. And they started to, to just, you know, make me a bit sweeter and a bit kinder. So, hey, you know, who knows? Maybe it's, maybe it's, it's called an arc. Let's... Yeah. You had a good arc. You know, you started yeah. here and moved along. And, Absolutely. Uh, You've done a, a a lot of things like in a vast different like you mentioned V earlier. You worked with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I mean that's pretty awesome. Um, I did want to ask you: Is there a, a film that you had done that uh, or okay? First question: Is there a film that you had done that you'd wish had gotten more notice or more people knew about it that you that didn't quite reach where you had really hoped for it to be? Um, like any any particular like this one film that you're like oh this is going to be awesome and then it just kind of it didn't take as you had uh, hoped well no not not particularly in that um i there were a couple of things that i did that i really enjoyed doing because i wasn't playing the villain and before superman um I was always the, you know, I, I, you know, my famous quote is I play the nice girl who's a little bit naughty on the side, sort of like Mrs. Avril, definitely a little bit naughty on the side. Um, and then once I was started playing, you know, evil bad, where, you know, I started going down that path and that's, that's, that was all the work. I had tried very hard um, not to go down that path originally. Um, but then you want to work and things come up and things like, you know, for instance, uh, as, as you mentioned, V, and then, you know, you start getting into the sci-fi and it's Stargate and it's Babylon 5 and, and the fans are loving it. And that's what's coming my way. Um, so I, there was a tiny little, and, and it, it was only a short film that I did called Changing Directions, which was made by a young Swedish director. And off I went to Sweden to do this little film and it was set in the 60s. And I play um, a very sympathetic character, um, kind of not frumpy at all, but but dressed in the 60s clothes, and I certainly wasn't too glamorous, um, and married to a vicar. And it was just small and sweet, and I long, and, and I wish that had, they'd hoped that they would do this, and then she would sell it, and then she'd make the big film, I mean, in, in, in our dreams. But I long for a really lovely, little no not little but a lovely sympathetic wonderful role um i you know i watched something the other night which i just adored called coda which is one of our nominated films um child of a deaf adult um which is uh, you know this small film you know it's been made not for a lot of money and you can tell that the cast really believe in it and they all turn in these wonderful performances. And I believe I'm right in saying that they just won the Screen Actors Award for an ensemble cast. I long for the day that I get something like that. You know, that, that I'm working with other people that you just bond together. Because really and truly, I haven't done anything that's been overwhelmingly exciting for quite, other than, I mean, Christmas Prince I loved. I mean, there's no question about that. That's my favorite. But I long to show, you know, I want to do a bit of serious, I want to do a bit of acting before I'm, before it's all over, you know, some serious acting. No, I don't mean serious, serious, but I mean something that no, really no, shows, I, I get interesting. shows my um, abilities. And I don't feel, you know, I got a script this week on Monday um, and my agent said, there's an offer for this. And I, I looked at the title and I thought, oh God, you know, it's another... You know, this was another psychological horror thing, nastiness, you know, and I was playing yet again uh, a psychologist who did nasty things to her patients. You know, I, I want sunshine and bunnies, you know, I want light in my life. I want to, 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 to feel really proud of something. Um, I remember I did years ago, I did a film on the life of Salvador Dali and I played his wife, um, which again uh, didn't get as much attention as it should have got um, because it was the most bizarre mishmash of American Spanish money and making it in Bulgaria and being dubbed in this language and the sound crew didn't speak English. And so it was all a little bit chaotic. 
However, I was playing a character that I could actually look about, I read about, I learned about Salvador Dali's wife. I was able to do some proper research instead of playing, you know, another evil, wicked queen, basically. So, you know, I'm I'm just looking for, I say I'm looking for that. I'm just hoping, um, I can't off the top of my head remember the name of the film that Terry Stamp did not so many years ago with Vanessa Redgrave. But it was a very moving film about she had cancer and he was the husband, I believe. And it was, again, it was what I would consider a small film, small budget. Mm -hmm. But he was, and he wasn't playing the handsome, gorgeous Terence Stamp. He was playing the husband and and, uh, nursing a wife who was very ill. It was very, very moving. And it was wonderful performances. And and when I saw him afterwards, I said, oh, God, it was so wonderful. He said, that was the best time I've had. He said, you know, just working on... And I absolutely get what he meant. He, you could tell he was just really, all of those other films he's done, all those gorgeous epic films, all those marvellous parts. He's done, this was a small film when you actually felt that this was a small company come together and they really, really, really gave their all and incredible performances. And in Coda, as I mentioned earlier, there are four characters who have just, they, they just give their all and it, and it all comes together and I think, God, that's what I want. That's what I want. So I'm waiting. Anybody out there? Get right. I think it would be just just talking with you, just I can see the sunshine and bunnies like just <laughs> just bre- coming from you. you. Know, it's like you know what you I know, mean, you, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean you, you got you yeah. know you got pinhold uh you did an iconic performance yeah. that's lasted and then you know, everyone's kind of taken that and you know pulled that from you. you uh you know song what? of Marion. That's the film. What? Uh, it? Song for Marion. Thank you. That just came in. Song for Marion. Yes, somebody just said that was the name of the film, Terry Snap. It was very moving. It was quite wonderful. Um, I, I'm just going to quickly back up with the Superman thing. I, After I shot, after we finished Superman 2, 1 and 2, um, I spent about two years turning down work because we were trying for me not to, 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 to play another evil, wicked queen type role or another sci-fi role. So for two years, I wasn't doing that. I kept my hair very long, which as I pointed out, I was wearing a wig, um, so that nobody would, I wouldn't get typecast as that girl, which of course now in retrospect, maybe it's not retrospect, but I, it would be different now if I was doing that today, because um, really and truly you're a commodity. And, and if you're going to, to, to make it, I mean, this doesn't. This is not Meryl Streep or any of the great actors. This is this is the Sarah Douglases. This is us that have got an opportunity and we're grabbing it, and we're running with it. And really and truly, if I had run with Urson, if I had cut off my hair when I came to America, or wore a short crop wig, or entered a restaurant with that whole Ursa image, I went out of my way to enter the restaurant as Sarah Douglas Sunshine, Sunshine and Bunnies, and people didn't know who the hell I was. And when I went to meet a director. They were waiting for me to stride in in my leather-clad dominatrix role. And da, da, da. And of course, I was going in being terribly keen. And hello, how lovely to meet you. And all very English. And and people were delighted to meet me, but they didn't know what the hell to do with me. You know, it threw, it threw everybody for a loop. And so now as I look back over my career, not that I would advise this, but it's the, it, it was the one thing we went out of our way to work on me not being that person. And consequently, when I arrived in America uh, two years after I hadn't really worked, um, a Falcon Crest fell into my lap, one episode um, of a sort of glamorous tough girl, but I was only one episode. And then it was, I, it ended up being episodic and I ended up being, you know, the girl everybody loved to hate. And during that period, V turned up and then Conan. And then suddenly you're thinking, well, I'm not gonna turn down any of these roles because they're coming my way. And that's great. So I did them. But if we had social media, if I was doing it today with social media, my God, the sky would be the limit, wouldn't it? Because you only all know me because I got out there in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and publicized my stuff and got, you know, people start to talk. Nowadays, you do it like that. I mean, I've just yeah. done it for this, you know, the people on Coda, the young actress, Emily, I'm sorry, Amelia, Amelia something. And I apologize. I can't remember her name, an English girl. Um, but she, you know, here I am talking about this young woman who was just fabulous. And just I was so impressed with her. 
Um, that, that didn't happen back in my day. I got my quote in Variety is the, the leather clad dominatrix and that'll do for me. But not everybody reads Variety, right? You know? Right. So it's a whole different way of, of presenting now. And as I said, it's like being a commodity. You, you, you sort of pitch yourself as a certain way and you, you market yourself and other people market you. This is what you get now. I'm happier down the bottom of my garden, really. But we won't tell you more <laughs> that. We have a question. Do you enjoy voice acting by parts? Um, yes, I, I, you know, there's a different, there's, there's all sorts of, um, there's, like I said, when I was in the States in LA, uh, where I've only just left, but I was living there for 20 years. Um, I, you know, to go into the studio to do voice acting was an absolute joy because you're sitting with other actors. Um, that is much more fun than, than doing it on your own in a, in a booth. Although I got involved with a wonderful podcast called Tara Tremendous, um, which is one of my favorite things that I'm doing at the moment. I've been doing it for the past couple of years now. Um, and, and it's just me doing my part. So I'm having to imagine everybody else, which is not so easy, but it's, it's a, it's a challenge. It's a challenge and it's a great challenge. Of course, I'm playing, a mean person in it so it's not that much of a stretch but <laughs> but maybe she'll get sweet one day i don't know that i will um so i do enjoy it. voice acting is great you know and and i and i love doing audios and i've always loved doing audios and reading books um you know and basically i'm really happy just to still be standing at my old age you know i'm just really happy that guys like you are interested to, to enough to to want to speak to me and to hear about the good old days <laughs> You know, you, if, I, I was, if I told you about the good old days, I think we'd be taken off the air, so I better not. <laughs> they were really good old days. Oh, my Lord, were they good. Yeah. I was sitting here thinking, like, you know, like, I was sitting here thinking about everything you said about your – and I, I, I think I just kind of drafted a story. Uh, here's my pitch for a movie for you. Okay. Uh, you play basically two sisters that the one sister, the sweet Sunshine and Bunny sister, her husband has passed. And she oh. and her sister comes to town, who's more of the mean, the um, rough sister. And now the two sisters have to reconnect. So it's basically the story is you get the drama and the smallness of these two sisters who drifted apart for some reason. Maybe they both like the same man. And Maybe. the one sister won out. And, um, you know, now you get, to, you get to show the two sides of your personality and your, your acting. You get to be the lovely You're bright. And then you get to also play the the mean, and then how the two reconcile together, and it would be this. Oh, really? you get know, writing, get writing. Uh, I'm on it. I'll do it. You know, let me let me tell you. When I finished um, Falcon Crest at the very end of Falcon Crest, uh, I was asked to do a pilot with my old friend Jane Badler, and we were playing sisters in that. Jane Badler, of course, from V. Um, I could not get them to release me from Falcon Crest to do the pilot. But we were playing twins, um, um, which would have been which would have been great. I don't know that one of us was good and one of us was evil. I'd like to think that I was the good one, but maybe not. I don't know. I think it. I'll go with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Kelly anyway, here. Says, great idea. I mean, yeah. Kelly here says we would love to hear about the good old days. So maybe we'll have to do some sort of a podcast later, so we don't get kicked off the air. <laughs> Me you and Kelly can sit and chat. <laughs> oh boy, I tell you, we sat many years ago at Smallville. They had a wonderful event, and Jack and Valerie was there as well. We all flew in from LA, and Jack, I remember we sat at a table, and the mayor and the, all the dignitaries and everybody around, and of course, you know, we all get together. Valerie's got some good old day stories. Oh boy, has <laughs> she ever. But um, we all got together, and she, um, We'd had a bit of wine, you know, and we were getting louder and louder as one does when one's drunk a bit. And of course, we were telling stories and Jack was telling some of his stories, which are really extraordinary and valid. And I can remember suddenly realizing that the whole room was hushed because we were all at different tables as everybody was listening in. As Jack told us the story of two young nubile young things that had come to his dressing room or whatever the hell it was but we have when we get together we have the very best time and of course margot dear margot who's no longer with us i mean we 
we we yeah we had a, we had a good time that's all I that's all I can say at this stage but for any of you that were born then you know what I'm saying <laughs> uh, my friend Ryan here asked do you have a favorite line from Ursa well I think I do think let's just hold hands is one that I love um I I I know that people say go on do oh Superman they're always saying do that one you know shout from across the street but um I was Oh, I don't know whether I can tell you. I can tell the story because you'll get it. I, I was uh, two, three, four, five years ago doing a play in the West End. And um, I went to a coffee bar at 10 o'clock in the morning. And I'm looking very rough, feeling very rough, grabbing a cup of coffee. And the young man in front of me, um, it's quite common to see people. It was quite common to see people with Neil before Zod, which is a line, obviously, from Superman. People had a T-shirt on and Neil before Zod. And it was, it became quite the thing for people to have a T-shirt, which I hadn't yet seen, with Neil before Ursa, for those people that loved Ursa and just loved the idea of it. It was a bit of a joke. So this young man went up and got his coffee, and uh, he was quite fey. I remember, I remember thinking, and his hands were getting, and he turned around, and he had got on his T-shirt, Neil before Ursa. And our eyes connected, and as often happens, you see a moment of perhaps recognition, which... It usually isn't, but you, you just don't know. But I saw that look on his, and I looked down at his T-shirt that said Neil before Ursa, and I said to him, go on then. And he looked at me <laughs> and, of course, was horrified, and he went, pervert, and shot out of the coffee room. And he obviously thought I was some old lady hitting on him, and he had no idea that I had paid <laughs> Ursa. And, of course, by the time I put it on Twitter, I think the poor young man was reduced to deep embarrassment somewhere in the east of London somewhere, but it was great. He just said, oh, pervert. Oh, that's awesome. My favorite, uh, I'll say my favorite Ursula line, I think, speaks to the, the character's arrogance is when she uh, is like, they need machines to fly. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, was, I, I always love that. Um, yeah. yeah, people that, uh, that, that write in for autographs and, the, you know, it's amazing. They all want, you know, they what kind of a man are you? What kind of a creature are you? And they, they've all got their favorite lines that they want me to, to write. And that's fine. I'll write anything. I'll write anything they want. You pay your money, you get whatever you want. I'm hoping to be in this. Well, I am, I'm due to be in the States this year. So I'm hoping to be, uh, I'm going to Smallville again without Jack, I think. I think I'm going without Jack because last time, I don't think they let us in. But I think that's in, I want to say that's in June, July, June or yeah. something. And then I, I'm supposed uh... to be knoxville i've got a couple of places coming up actually i've got two or three places coming up in the states so i'll be out there so anybody that's listening today that can come and say hello, I, please do. i plan to come and bring the kids uh this year Yay. we had planned to go before but last year we bought a house um and then of course the year before that they didn't have it so uh we're, we're planning on this this summer you know coming to uh Great. and that'd be lovely to to come and i'll get a on Neil before you so you'll, you'll know it's me because I'll show up and be like, and I'll have my hat and I'll kneel and you'll be like, ah, it's that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will look forward to meeting you. That will be my pleasure. Uh, Kristen here says, yeah, go ahead. No, I was she just said, reading is... what he said with how my glasses. She Houston. said she stepped off the planet. Yeah. The planet. Houston. Uh, I, I know. I know some, there's some, there's some great lines from that. Uh, I, I'm also fascinated with, you know, people keep saying to me, didn't you, God, sorry, didn't you um, keep anything from Superman? And I, you know, the sadness of all of this is, no, why, why would we back then, you know, you didn't think of it. So I'm always amazed when I see, I, I saw my wig come up um, on eBay not so long ago, except it wasn't my wig, I think it was a stunt girl's wig. And then, you know, there's a couple of boots that are floating around. Um, but they've got a museum there at Smallville. I think they've got quite a few bits and bobs of mine. But, you know, there wasn't a lot for me to actually take. In fact, I met a guy who, one of those big uh, auction-type houses for celebrity celebrity auctioneers, and he said to me a few years ago, he said, didn't Marlon Brand you, didn't Marlon Brand you give you anything? And I said, no. He said, are you sure he didn't give you, like, a bracelet or something? So me, I'm... 
No, I don't think so. And of course, afterwards, somebody said, you silly thing. You could have said he did. And then you could have sold it for an absolute fortune. <laughs> I thought, that's terrible. But of course, now I'm thinking about it. Hey, who's to say? So if ever you hear me say, you know I'm on hard times. If ever you hear me casually say, well, I've got this little trinket. <laughs> no, there was, this... I'll tell you why I say that. Because, you know, there's a, there's, there's a very dear friend of mine, Jim Bowers, who is very good at defending the, everything that, that Christopher, his autographs and anything to do with Superman. And one of the things that we, I discovered years ago, there was a guy going around taking little tiny little bits of supposedly Christopher Reeve's cape and putting them in a bit of perspex and saying that it was Chris's cape and people were paying good money for these things. And, and it wasn't at all. You know, it's a, it's a hell of a business. You know, it's, it's, yeah. you know, people are very gullible and I, I don't like to see that. Um, so, you know, so it's always something to be aware of. But I mean, Jim is, is, is over at Cape Wonder. It's very good at authenticizing. That's too big a word for me. But, you know, hmm. things and, you know, you have to be very careful what you purchase. Don't believe all you see. But I am the real deal. So you've got yes. me for free tonight. And hopefully we'll get some money going for Valerie. Yes, let's see. Oh, it's let's almost see where time we're for me to say goodbye. I know. It, it's horrible. It makes me sad. Okay. Hey, Willow. Hello. Hey. hey, Sarah, it was a pleasure meeting you and listening to you chat and talk, you. and uh, I appreciate you being here. I am delighted. <laughs> Sorry, I had a momentary panic because I am not sort of too au fait with these things, and I got my little MacBook, I got everything all oh. set up, and then it didn't work. But luckily, I had my iPad as well. <laughs> so here you are in, in very small, but nevertheless, I watched <laughs> earlier on all of you. My goodness me, those fabulous outfits and costumes. That's cosplay, isn't it? Yes, it's it's just and tell me something because I haven't got my glasses on. You don't have a black eye, do you? No, no, oh, no. Uh, the uh, the character that I'm portraying is uh, uh, looks like she's oh, crying. Nice. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, now you've thought it now. Well, I'm relieved. Listen, guys, I wish you all the best. I look forward to meeting you um, wherever, but it'll happen. I'll be out there. Thank you, Sarah. And thank you. For, and good luck with, with your fundraiser here. You're doing a fabulous job and it's much appreciated because Valerie is one of the loveliest people on earth and she needs all the help that we can rally. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank I'm you. I'm very... go and have my Sunday supper. <laughs> all right. Now. Enjoy. Bye. Have a good day. Bye -bye. All right, so we're going to close up here for this panel. Uh, we have Lacey uh, Clegg on her uh, in the green room. Tyler, much appreciated. Thank you very much right. for uh, handling Sarah. Oh, you're welcome. It was a pleasure. <laughs> uh, looking for more, uh, more panels with you. All right, so... We are going to do the next panel right away, uh, photography with Lacey Clegg. I really hope that I'm saying her name right. Um, but, okay, so we got, we're, we're still at uh, 300, oh, we uh, we're up to $360 right now for the fundraiser. Uh, all the great prizes that were given uh, yeah. away. Uh, and I'll play this little blurb. The Multiverse Fundraiser is a benefit for Oscar-nominated actress Valerie Perrine. Ms. Perrine is known for her roles in Superman, Slaughterhouse-Five, Lenny, and so many more. We've teamed up with documentary director Stacey Souther to raise money for Valerie's medical expenses and other needs. Every donation and every post share gives you the chance to win super prizes. Go to the website listed for details. Look up in the sky. Do you like movies? Of course you do. Do you like comic book movies? Of course you do. Well, our Patreon is launched now. It's a dollar a month. That's all we ask, one dollar. A month to hear great content and right now one of the biggest things we're doing on our patreon is movie commentaries i am a movie person and i love to talk about movies so what we're doing is at least two movie commentaries a month you'll hear the wonderful voice of my wife jania more often 
and other special shows. Check out our Patreon at cryptonreport.com slash Patreon. And all we ask is, hey, $1, it helps us keep the show on. We're not looking to get rich. We just help with the cost of doing this, and it helps a friend out. You loan a friend a dollar, you probably have a dollar lying around the house and change. So check out patreon.com slash cryptonreport. Sign up for the $1 a month and send us a message. You can be on the podcast. We can talk about something, anything you want to talk about. You can join us for a movie commentary if you want. So check it out. And if you want to have a good time, keep listening to the Krypton Report. If you're enjoying this podcast, here's some of our favorite podcasts to check out. Digging for Kryptonite. The Aspiring Kryptonian. Superman the Animated Podcast. The Last Sons of Krypton. The Geek of Steel. The All-Star Super Fan Podcast. It All Comes Back to Superman. And Superboy Legacy. Supergirl Radio, and of course, always hold on to Smallville. Check all those out, enjoy those supercasts, and remember, keep listening. The Krypton Report is a Tears production. We thank you for listening and enjoying, and please support us on our Patreon account, our T Public store, and check out our social media. Always remember to look up in the sky.